You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Choosing a consistently reliable universal composite can be a challenge. Today, we'll be discussing what features and benefits a clinician should be looking for in a universal composite. Our guest is Dr. Nader Yermian, a cosmetic dentist with a private dental practice, Vincente Dental, in Brentwood, California, where he's committed to using a biomimetic approach for restoring damaged teeth and producing beautiful, durable smiles. Dr. Yermian, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Thank you for having me. Let's begin by you telling our audience, what should we be looking for when choosing a universal composite for our practice? Certainly, when it comes to a universal type of composite versus maybe a traditional older type, you want to have something or a product that has high compressive strength, what a typical posterior composite would have. Also, the aesthetics and sort of the polishability of an anterior composite. So you sort of want the best of both worlds. And is that difficult to find these days, or, or many products are out there that they have to choose from? Well, there are many products to choose from. You want to find a product that has ultra-fine nanoparticles that's built in with a strong resin matrix, so it could have a high flexural strength and high wear resistance. And that's something that I look for in a product um, that I like to use for my universal composites. Could you tell us some of the clinical indications that a typical general dentist would be using a universal composite for? So they should be used, or they could be used for any kind of direct restoration, uh, range from class one, two, three, four, five. They could also be used as a liner, a base, a sealant. They could be used for cementing indirect restorations, repairing indirect restorations, as well as direct restorations. Um, they could also be used for, you know, temporarily pat or patching a temporary crown or bridge or defects in margins in enamel. Um, you want to have a composite that is, you, you know, homogenous, ultra-fine, filled. You want to have a strong resin and something that does bear a good amount of stress for those occlusal surfaces. So could you tell us some of the contraindications, like when you wouldn't use a universal composite in routine dentistry? There are times where I do opt for an indirect restoration, and usually I do that when there aren't enough axial walls in terms of, uh, you know, if, if there are cracks within a tooth and you might consider cusping a, a uh, or doing an overlay or going a little bit beyond the ranges of a, of a direct composite. So let me give you a better example. If you have a crack on a, on a cusp and you want to extend your preparation to cover the cusp, then I would choose an indirect porcelain onlay versus a direct composite. Right. And what about isolation in case there's certain patients that there's a lot of moisture and you're having trouble isolating a, a pedo patient? Are there any contraindications in, in that situation? And what would you use as an alternative? I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of glass ionomer. If I can't use a um, direct, if I don't have good isolation to comfortably and confidently place a composite, then I would go for a glass ionomer such as an Aguia Forte from uh, GC. I really like that. But as I build up the areas with glass ionomer, I usually do a sandwich technique. And as soon as I am able to have good isolation, I switch that the material to a universal composite. So it's like a sandwich technique. The base of the preparation is made out of glass ionomer. And then the top or the occlusal portion of that restoration is a direct universal type composite. How does a universal composite make 
the clinician's life easier and also save them time chair-side. And, you know, when I say that, is it less steps? Um, and I also would like to have you address the adhesive procedures involved with using a universal composite, if you would tell us about that as well. Sure. Um, so it does, it does save us a lot of time. Certainly, uh, if you have one composite that could do it all, then you don't have to you know, switch out composites and you don't have to, you could stick with one brand or one type um, for posteriors, for anteriors, uh, and you, you could save time that way. You also want something that would contour really well as well. So the way I, I would take on a restorative case using a direct composite, the first and most important thing for me is isolation, right? You place a dental dam um, if you can. Um, sometimes, you know, if the uh, the second molar, and if you can't get a dental dam uh, clasp on that tooth, I try to use an isolate. But isolation is by far the most important part of this. Uh, second is the bonding agent. You want to make sure you follow the bonding agent instructions. You want to sort of massage the adhesive into the dentin tubules. You don't want to rush into it. You want to make sure you suction out the the solvent or the alcohol that's you know. That, that's mixed inside, or if you use a separate approach, you don't want to rush this step. You want to make sure you, your tooth is isolated and you apply the, the bonding agent uh, as, as is instructed by, by the, the actual brand. And lastly, you want to use an incremental buildup. Certainly, that's my belief. It causes less sea stress uh, as well as shrinkage. So if you have a big or deeper preparation, you'd want to build up incrementally. I like to do it in a lot of different steps just so I could reduce the C factor stress that gets exhibited when you do these bigger types of restorations. But you do it, you layer it, and you do one or two cusps at a time to avoid that shrinkage. When you say uh, injectable, you said there was a new class of universal composites, and they're known as injectables. Is this strictly related to the genial universal injectable? Or, and tell us about why it's an injectable, and how does it compare to typical flowable composites? Well, G, genial universal injectable is a, a newer type of material or composite that I've been personally using and have had great success with. Um, it does, in my mind, gives you the best of both worlds. I don't consider it a flowable, even though it, it extrudes like a flowable, but it's really works like a packable because it has superb handling and it doesn't flow everywhere. So as you're injecting the material, you could sort of contour and shape it at the same time. And in like a traditional flowable, it just doesn't run down to the base of the preparation. You could sort of stack up and layer your composite with this uh, material, with this injectable, and you don't have to worry about it sort of flowing everywhere. Or sometimes you have excess and you want to shape it a little bit. It doesn't really stick and drag with the instrument. And you could get a really fine product this way. I'm also looking for a material that has uh, ultra-fine nanoparticles that's very strong. And this Genial Universal Injectable has this silent coating to contribute to the strength as well. With the full covered silent coating of these nanoparticles, it allows them to tightly bind to the resin and give a stronger surface that could better withstand it from these opposing forces. So that's sort of things that I like in terms of this injectable. Having these particles being so ultra-fine nanoparticles, it gives it an excellent color it has great gloss re, uh, retention, and these restorations will look great at every recall. The way it compares to a flowable or a paste composite is that it um, 
it flows, but that doesn't flow too much. You have kind of control over it, but it, your adaptation is still there. That that's absolutely yeah. So you get great adaptation, and it's strong enough to be used on occlusal surfaces at the same time. Apparently, it has a flexural strength of 173 megapascals. Generic flowable range from 120 to 135. So this is actually stronger. It's clearly stronger than all flowables, but it's you know it's even stronger than a lot of packables. Um, it's at 173, and you know the some of the other stuff, some of the flowables out there are 120, 135. Some of the packables are 155. So this is stronger. So if you're using a matrix band on a class two molar, let's say a DO, you could literally fill the entire cavity preparation with this injectable. You would start yes. the, you'd start in the axial box in, in the um, in a proximal box and bring it up occlusally. And then you're saying you light cure it every two millimeters and then just keep going on top of that? That's exactly right. So that's the way I like to do it. And certainly the when when I, I like to have fun with composites. I, I think that when it comes to depending on the size of it, if I could create a, you know, a marginal groove, uh, if I want to create a cusp bridge, I could really do this with this material because it sort of molds as I'm injecting. And, um, you know, sometimes you might have a little excess, but you could wipe it off really easy with an explorer. I mean, really, you all you really need is explorer to to fill with this kind of material. But at least that's with a, a class two. Uh, when it comes to like a class four, and I've used these on some anterior cases, I, I do use a sort of like a plastic type of composite instrument that's a flat surface. So I could sort of, you know, um, handle it better that way. Right. So it sounds like precision application with this material and it's dispensed in some sort of mixing syringe or how is, how is yeah, it? Like, like a flowable syringe. It's, it, it's, everything looks like a flowable, but it's, I mean, that's why they call it an injectable. It's really not a flowable. It doesn't flow like a, a traditional flowable does. It stays put. So, but it's handled like a syringe form, like a, a normal flowable does, not like a, a gun version, like a composite gun. Right. So, I've heard a lot about bulk fills. Can you just give us a comparison between using this particular product versus a bulk fill? Because a bulk fill, you don't need to light cure in the two millimeter increments as you would with this. So right. why not use a why not use a bulk fill? Well, two main reasons. Um, one of them is that bulk fills are pretty transparent in color. So let's say if you have a bulk fill and um, and you do it all the way to the top. The, the color from underneath has a has a tendency of transmitting to. Let's say you remove an amalgam and, and, and there's decay underneath the amalgam and there's just a little staining, that filling material will be dark and sort of unattractive. Lastly, or the second reason is that bulk fill does wear faster than than this would. So therefore you could do the base with let's say it's a deep preparation, you want to you know use a bulk fill and you go ahead and I'm I'm totally comfortable with that. You could go ahead and base it with a bulk fill, but I would sort of I would finish with a stronger material that could withstand the forces of occlusion better. Okay. Well, that's a good point. So yeah, in fact, many bulk fills, I think, do recommend to have like a capping layer on top. This would be your capping layer. And I do this from time to time. I personally love, I'm a big glass ionomer. I'm a big equiaforta. I use that as my bulk fill. Traditionally, that would be my bulk fill. Um, if I have really deep or wide preparations, um, but uh, you could use a bulk fill as well. And, and the glass and, animal? Or you could use this. You could use this as well, but you just have to base it very incrementally. So it does take a little longer, but this will still work. Right, right. And when you use a glass animal as your base, 
that compressive strength is adequate for posterior teeth? It is strong enough. Um, it's a sandwich technique that I that I like using. It doesn't shrink at all. Really good indication, especially when you when you're uh, dealing with a large sort of deep restorations. You don't want to put strain on the axial walls. So it's it's a good it's a good way of restoring the I want to say the dentin portion of it, and then you want to cap it with something like like uh, an injectable or universal composite that's a little stronger and could withstand uh, wear and also uh, flexion. Right. So and inclusive forces. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of a biomimetic approach using the glass. That's on, right. right. You get some ion exchange and. You get some fluoride you get the exchange. Chemical bond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah, get fluoride. So even even I just did this yesterday on a patient who had, I mean, if you look at, I want to say uh, how most people would go jump to do in a root canal. The t- she was sort of symptomatic, but not really symptomatic. So she'd have pain on cold. It was a very large, decayed tooth number eighteen, and I did a uh, and I and I numbed her. I, I did a glass guy glass diameter base. I even left a little little decay when it got really close to the pulpal tissue. And then I sandwiched this with this uh, Juno Universal Injectable as a sort of a, a two-layered filling. I do that pretty much uh, on a daily basis or quite often. That's my go-to when it comes to these large, deep restorations. Yeah. So GC America has a fantastic company. They're huge in research and development, and they have an incredible research and development center in Japan, obviously. Yeah. And um, I haven't been yet. I'm dying to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as a KOL, you'll probably be invited and they also have a tremendous uh, KOL following. I mean, the, the, these KOLs like yourself could use just about any product they want, and so many of them are very dedicated to GC America. So the two products that you did mention, just for our listeners, um, and again, it's up to the listeners to decide what they want to buy. These are just recommendations by our speaker. Just totally just recommendations. But the two that you were me- recommended for the bulk of your direct restorative procedures, one was the glass onomer, Aquia Forte, and the other one is Genial Universal Injectable, and that's the uh, universal composite that we spent the bulk right. of the time on in this in this podcast. I mean, one other thing that I that I failed to mention is that um, I often use these uh, the Genial Universal Injectable to restore my indirects as well um, by I cement them with with the injectable. So let's say I have a porcelain veneer or a porcelain onlay, not not a full covered crown, but an onlay or a veneer. And I use this injectable as a as a cement. So the cement's actual restorative material, and I heat it in my calcet, so it becomes a little bit softer. And because of the qualities of this injectable and doesn't run everywhere, cleaning is very easy. So as you're cementing it, um, and it's purely light cured, you're not you don't need to rush with it. You could remove all the excess with an explorer and make sure it's seated all the way. And then you, you when you're ready, you could cure it with a light, and it's to me, it's one of the strongest bonds you could have when we when we store these indirect restorations. And I use the Geno Universal Injectable as my cement, more or less, for these things. And it's, I think, the one of the strongest uh, bond strengths in terms of uh, inge- uh, cementing or bonding these porcelain veneers indirects on your tooth. That's great information, Dr. Yermian. We appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on the show. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Take care. Have a great day.